The Sustainable Voice, bringing you big successes from small places worldwide. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Sustainable Voice. This is Ashish, your host. I have a really cool friend with us today. So she's kind of like my sister. She's actually even crazier than I am. Uh, she's got killer eyes. And yes, those are real, by the way. Uh, so her name is Inez. She is my Peruvian sister. And it is honestly so cool listening to her. Whenever I hear her talk about anything Peru, I just stop and go, uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Crazy. That's exactly what I'm thinking. So it's like, literally, I had to bring her on this podcast because it was like, we've literally been I don't know, what's the phrase? Cut from the same cloth from different moms. <laughs> I guess that that's how you cut it. Uh, <laughs> so I have to tell you guys a funny story. I met Inez, God, it was probably over 10 years ago. And we were just somewhere at the same time. And I looked up and, and I, I remember, you know, you meet people during, during your time. And so I met her and, and met different people, but she stood out to me. And she stood out to me because of what she said. She introduced herself to me, and the first thing she told me was where she was from. Now, I'm Indian, so which means the first thing I'm supposed to ask is, what do you do? And instead, she's asking, she's telling me where she's from. I stopped, and I go, yeah, I want to know this person. This person, this person seems like something I'm interested in. So, Inez, now that I've completely blown your ego up, you know, a mile wide, welcome to the Sustainable Voice. Welcome to, to our podcast. I'm so happy you could join us. Ashish, that means so, like, so much to me. I mean, you are a beacon, and I think that's what I've been saying, especially those pandemic years that were so, so much on, on different levels to different people. It affected us in a different way. Um, but to be in my little nook of the world, trapped at home, <laughs> I mean, when you keep a travel lady trapped at home, um, and to see you there, to see you in Colombia, in the streets of Colombia, deep in the water with those children. I mean, it was something. You, you are the inspiration. Oh, I appreciate you are the that inspiration thing. that that keeps me going when people say, "So, who do you look up to in in the industry?" And I'm like, "Ashish," and not just oh, like in the industry, but like, thank you. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, no idea. I didn't pay her to say that, by the way. Uh, this is this is genuine. I mean, as you can tell, she and I have a lot of mutual admiration for each other. And she, and she's she, you know the pandemic years were not easy for anybody. And uh, you know, I, I I have to tell you guys this funny story. Ines, can I tell her just what you and your son did? It was hilarious. So we were doing these live streams before before we started the podcast, and we were involved with you know just helping out people in Colombia, helping out people in Peru, and doing different things. And I get this picture uh, from Inez of her and her computer, and there's her cute little child sitting in front of the computer, pointing at the screen, like he's into it. He's he's listening. He's into it. It's there. So I have a question for you because we're going to start here because you are a traveling mom. What did your husband say? Because you were home so much. What did you, what did she, what did he say? Um, so I got pregnant in April of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take long. <laughs> we're all adults here. That's um, right. But yeah, that's what happens when a traveling mom stays home. That's right. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. So by the way, 
this conversation went completely in left field and that shows me how close it is and I are. I have a list of agenda items. This was not one of them, but anyway, let's go with it. So yeah, okay. What else? So now I have Sophia, baby Sophia Maria. Mm -hmm. um, the joke of, of her name was, um, yeah, COVID Maria or <laughs> David COVID. David um, COVID. Yeah. David COVID or COVID Maria. So right yeah, I name her Sofia Maria. Right Sofia on. Maria. Um, Madrigal. Because of Ashish, yeah, my my Peruvian, half Peruvian kids um, are obsessed with Colombia. Thank you. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. Between Ashish and Encanto, it's a, yeah, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> We're not gonna talk about Bruno. <laughs> no, 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 Bruno here. <laughs> so, okay. After all of that, did your husband say something like, "You're home a lot"? I'm not know if I get used to this. Did he say something yes. like, this? "Well, thank goodness he had"? Well, for for contest context, I um, Peruvian born and raised. Yep. Um, but I did move here to Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, back in 2012 so it's been a hot minute because of the traveling back and forth um, back to Peru mm -hmm. pre-pandemic life um, I never felt like I was fully here in Utah yeah. I, it, yeah. it's like where's home in Peru no but where do you live oh yeah I live in Utah I live in Utah like, oh yeah oh, complete yeah. opposite side of the spectrum I live yes. there yeah yes Although Utah um, does have some pretty cool spots, I gotta say. It is beautiful. I'm still waiting for you to bring the family here to the to the Listen, other the, big five national parks. The, the stuff <laughs> that I want to do in Utah and Moab and whatnot, I'm pretty sure my wife's want to prove my life insurance want to prove either. But I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'll, ready I'll to be go. talking to your office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, hang gliding. We know how things go when she's just traveling and that's yeah. it. The hang gliding starts, everything else starts, and everybody else goes, wait, you're doing what? Uh so so there we go. Well, okay. Let's let's start. I have an important question because you know I, I I've been dying to get you on this podcast. I, as as everybody who's listening knows, I just got back from Peru. We recorded an episode before I left, and I was talking to you guys about it while while I got back. I, I, I want to share with you what I thought, but before before I do, I want to ask you as somebody who was out, out you know on the inside slash outside watching what was happening, not not the politics of it, but as a Peruvian national, as as a, as a native. What did you think as you saw the protests happening? And I know it's not the first time it's protest, but this one seemed a bit different. What did you think? It was heartbreaking. It was yeah. it was a lot emotionally. Um, you see all these New York Times and Washington Post and, and The Guardian articles um, trying to catch it, right? I have my Democrat friends here in the US being like, yes, power to the people. And, and I lean towards Democrats absolutely here um, by living here in the U.S. But this is different. This is, this is a different type of, of scenario. So it's important to remind outsiders not to judge others by your own paradigms of, of, of life and what you get to live in your own country. So here it was different. Um, feelings of, yes, 500 plus years of oppression have come up um, after this is not so much of uh, 
what the last precedents, the, the very few precedents we've had in the last couple of years. Um, so, uh, 10 in the last 20 years to be exact. It's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it goes beyond that, just not just like the two decades, but centuries, right? Yeah. Um, we have kept this focus in Lima and the people that run it. I'm a, a Limeña and when I go deep into my country, I, I don't even say I'm Limeña, I say I'm from Trujillo where my mother's from, you know? Um, and they're like, yes, Chan Chan culture, yes. <laughs> they're like us, I'm like, yes, we're mighty. Um, in a country of 30 million people, you have 10 million living in Lima. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority are gonna be living in the outskirts of the, of the historical city. Um, they arrived in the 80s during the hardest times of our recent history, um, fleeing their, their homes, their Andes, their mountains. Um, and they came here for a better life. It, it, it was not the American dream, but the Peruvian dream, right? They came for safety to a city, that didn't do the best to welcome them. Um, and they are hard workers and they are pride, proud and they did it all for their families and they have created these homes in sand dunes and in and, and, you know, the most uh, geographically complicated um, territories. Mm-hmm. Um, to build a home and a city and now they have the roads and now have water and electricity and all from what it used to be literally sand dunes um, and that's just in the city but in the rest of the country um, specifically in this this time in the south in the Andes these remote villages that us as travelers we get to see and we get to visit very few of them when we see how they live um the closer they are to the big city, the more modernized they are. Right. Um, but the more removed they are, the more um, ancestral they are, but also forgotten, right? From from modern day resources. Um, well, so well, I was going to ask you a question. Would you, would you say that the ones that are living close to the city, they're losing their heritage? Is this something where literally they forget who they become? Or they forget who they were at some point. The closer they get to bigger cities, the more modernized they get, the more they lose of their culture. I mean, that's true in many parts of the world. Do you think it's true here as well? I feel like it's inedible. Um, I've lived myself in Cusco for a year and I love getting lost in those little towns. And and it was always funny, you know, going into a village and you have the kids jamming to YouTube, whatever newest as long music. as it's not Justin Bieber, I'm okay. As long as it's not Bieber, I'm okay. Yes. I mean, that's that's the power of technology and how it's keeping the close the mm-hmm. world closer. Um, but that's a, 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 an impact, a side yeah. effect of it um, that we are all learning to manage in this modern world, which is why I'm still very excited about not having... Um, internet connectivity and all here in the Amazon, which is um, the part of Peru that I'm, I'm the proudest to represent with, with the company I work for. Um, so over there, the villagers, they are very much, you know, still isolated and all. 
Um, and then they weren't actually even involved in these protests. They they were not they at all. Yeah. Not for a hot second, absolutely nothing. Yeah. So yes, well, well, in, just to wrap it up with the social conflict that we had, um, all these years of feeling like I've been neglected, mm. um, rightfully so. Mm. We've had riots on a yearly basis. That's part of our Peruvian culture. Um, and parallel with what's going on in France today, it's not exclusive to us. Right. It's around the world. Um, right. That's how you get things done. In, in Spanish, we have this saying, if the baby doesn't cry, he won't get milk. Um, <laughs> I'm using that, by the way. That's awesome. Yes. That's actually yes. a saying. Well, um, finish, but finish the thought, because I have a question for you, but go ahead. Yeah, so to just to wrap it up with that, yes, riots have been part of, of our history and, and yeah. daily culture, um, but this took off in a different way because political interest, political right. interest of very few people that are connected internationally to other Latin American powers that are seeking personal interest, I believe. Um, yeah, dismantling a government is not going to no. bring you more resources. No. If no. you need resources, you communicate, you get your point across, but without um, harming oh. your own village, harming without your own violence. town, right. without the violence. And that's something that the police that were put in the spot immediately to handle the situation handle horribly. That did not know what they were being thrown into. And it's like we were thrown in, in a tiny little mayhem that both parts didn't know how to respond to. Luckily, people realized very quickly, Peruvians, people from Cusco, they are so, not just resilient, but they are fire. Um, yeah. Cusqueños are it. And so when they realize that, oh, wait, we're not going to get anything out of this for our own. We're not going to improve the status quo. Um, we need to work and we need travelers to come back and we need to feel safe and have our streets clear. So when they started kicking out rioters, I was like, hell yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was, it was, that's when you get that right like fight moment of okay things are gonna be okay again because they are have been reminded ever since we've had three calls out for um national protest not one not one showed up that's right no one no. showing up I, and i saw it firsthand you know so to to, to what it is saying you know so those of you who know i was born in kenya we deal with the same thing there as well and so I was I was actually dealing with this. I saw it firsthand, which is talking about in Cusco, because I actually got lost in that old square. So I literally got lost. Uh, I had to pull up Google Maps and realize it wasn't working because there was no signal going. All right, well, I can't get too too far lost. If I make a left or a right somewhere, I'll end up as somewhere historic. But she's right. You know, when I talk to people in Cusco, people in Second Valley, I got this fire. It is. It's this fire that. We need to work. And in fact, I'll tell you one conversation, and, and this is actually why I love having Ines on, on this episode, is because, you know, we've talked in previous episodes about, well, unrest is necessary. The fact that when you have a young democracy, you know, we, 
We can't sit here at a democracy that is seen as a beacon, which we have our own cracks here at home as well, but seen as a beacon and then to judge countries like a Peru or Kenya or France, or we'll take France out of it, but to younger democracies and put that in and say, well, how come you can't get it right? We didn't get it right in our history either. We managed to find the right path eventually, which is what has to happen here. When you consider 10 presidents in the last 11, 20 years, and you've, when was the constitution written in Peru? 1879. Right. And, and then this when is a young was, republic. <laughs> right. And then when was the modern, the, the modern democracy after Fujimori? That was what year, the modern democracy where you had elections and everything and whatnot. Well, like, I mean, regular, I'm not talking about 22 year terms and 30 year terms. I'm talking about shorter and actually more control. When did that start? I mean, right after Fujimori, I'd say. Right. So we're talking a modern society, 80s, 90s, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So and so that's something Eight that I, I yeah, and that that dawned on me because I come from a country who's only had we're we're right now in our fifth president. Kenya's on president number five. We've been a democracy since 1963, right? So it's the same concept here now. When you start thinking about this, so I had this conversation in Cusco, exactly what Inez is talking about. I was talking to somebody at one of the hotels I was staying at, and he was telling me that his housekeeper was one of the protesters. And so he talked to her and said, why, why are you protesting? Oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm not seeing any benefit from this, and I'm not seeing this. And there's articles in the Wall Street Journal today, morning, as a matter of fact, that talked about this. Well, there's no seeing benefit and whatnot. And, and what, what they, that article missed and what this housekeeper also missed was that this is not a 10-year problem. It's what Inez just said. It's a 500-year problem. It's not a 10-year problem or a 10-month problem or a presidential problem or, or a political problem. It's a 500-year problem. We're talking about, you know, basically what we went through in the U.S. in the 1860s, what we went through with, you know, with our own, with our, you know, with our own civil civil strife, our own civil war. Um, you know, the only thing missing here is is the Gettysburg Address. Um, you know, is, is part of what comes in it. But what this housekeeper was talking about was the fact that she said, well. I'm not seeing anything here. I need to protest. So, so then the the gentleman at the hotel said, "But what about tourism in Cusco? Cusco, you know, region Machu Picchu. What? Uh, it's 97% dependent on tourism revenue. What about that? I don't care about that. I, I sell strawberries." And then the gentleman who's asked, buy your strawberries?" Well, that's exactly what he asked. He said, "Who's going to buy your strawberries?" And it was like a light bulb went off in her head. Because she had not thought that far. And that was a microcosm of exactly what I saw happening as I talked to everybody. I talked to people in Lima, people in Cusco, even people up in Machu Picchu, even people who work for the Minister of Tourism that were there taking surveys up at Agos Calientes. I was talking to them. And, and when I mentioned that to them, they said it was literally like the whole country didn't see four steps forward. And, and as you said, three calls for national protests, nobody showed up. And it's because of the fact that You've got so many, it's almost like as if somebody sat down with the central bank and said, okay, if you keep doing this, you, you're going to basically break five things to fix one. Nobody's saying it shouldn't be fixed. Nobody's saying that at all. Nobody's saying that the, that, that the, that the calls for change are not legitimate. I mean, in all, in all cases, they're going to be legitimate. They are in other parts of the world too. But it's at what cost? And this is, you see, this is why it's so important because remember this, this, this podcast is about big successes in small places. And Ines, why I brought you on this podcast is because you represent that success. You see, those of you who don't know, Ines, as I mentioned to you, I alluded to, she's a traveling mom, 
right? She coming from Peru to Utah <laughs> and then going back to, to Peru, but she's a traveling mom. And, you know, being able to talk about this and being able to is, is explain what was happening the way she just did, that it's not what you just read in the news. This is not a left versus right problem. This is a 500 years of oppression problem that goes beyond anything we could think about. Um, so, so, so let me ask you this, Inez, because you do represent this big success. The fact that we're having this conversation, the fact that you're, you're, you were able to break up and talk about different regions in Peru and what they represent and whatnot, you know, let, let's, let's take it a step forward. You are a traveling mom. You love traveling to Peru. In fact, I think you're leaving Peru in a week, I think, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, you're, you're going there. So 11 answer, days and counting. Th that's it. Okay. And I just got back. And, and, and I'm going to tell you guys a story about my, my trip, what was important to me. But I, I want to ask you this question, Ines. And this is something that I don't think we've talked about, but I can't wait to hear your answer. Why? Why do you travel? And why specifically are you going back to Peru? You can go anywhere in the world. Why do you go to Peru? And you can't, you can't say it's because you're home. You can't say that. You got to do something else. I was born lucky to be Peruvian. <laughs> That's it. Well answered. You see what that's by what the way, I mean, by, I mean, by the way, hey, before you carry forward, by the way, this is what Inez does. I'll ask a question. She'll think for a second. The first five words put my entire question to shame because the answer is out of this world. So, all right, go ahead, Inez. Keep going. No, I'm, I'm overused word blessed, but I am blessed to be Peruvian. Um, to come from a country that is so rich, so biodiverse, um, so beautiful, so enchanting. I, I can't live without it. And I feel like that's why the pandemic hit so hard to my heart because I was kept away from, from where I wanted to be. And, um, and why not go to Peru? There's always something new that I get to see and that I get to live. And now as a mother to get to share that with my kids. Um, I took my boy, he's six and a half for the first time to Delphine. I work for Delphine Amazon Cruises in, in the Amazon of Peru. Um, I took Nico to the Delphine three. I mean, you have to understand this child has listened to probably a thousand Zoom calls of mom presenting Delphine, like he knows it. Like you can quiz him on how to get from Salt Lake City, LAX to Lima, you send Miraflores, you party at Barranco, and then you fly to Sacred Valley to go down to Machu Picchu. He knows it all. Right on. Um, and, and by the way, he is, this kid is brilliant. I've, I've seen him in action. He's absolutely brilliant, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I took him to Machu Picchu when he was three years old with my dad. <laughs> with my dad of 93. So to me, it was like the parallel of lives of beginning and, and, and later sage, just beautiful. And that was January of 2020. Oh. Um, and to oh, see so, my boy- So it's your fault that the pandemic happened. You got back- Everything the happened country. because uh, of I'm telling, too much. I'm, telling, I'm telling you. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, so to take this boy finally to the Amazon and see his eyes just- be so excited at 6 a.m. in the morning. You don't get that no. here in Salt Lake City. No. You know, to get him excited to go bird watching, break of dawn, and yeah. to come up close with, you know, thousands of species. Um, that was just the best, you know, mom 
excitement that I could get um, last year. And so this year, I'm surprised I still have not told him because that boy is oh. like anxiety in a bottle. So um, don't, when so we get to 10 days, then we'll do the countdown. Don't and let that's him listen weekend. to this episode before you leave. Otherwise, he's going to ruin the surprise. <laughs> don't, no, don't this, to this. this weekend, I'll, I'll break the news. All right, there um, you go. There you go. Yeah, so we can do a 10-day countdown. Um, and my daughter, I mean, this pandemic babies fire herself she is fierce <laughs> and she dances when she walks i mean i cannot wait to take her to the sacred valley and and you know be a soliluna and hop on the horses and like fight off a, a llama on a dance fight. <laughs> and, you know, i am not taking her to machu picchu because she would like skydive from oh, it. my kind of girl my kind of girl yeah no nico is the the, the cautious one risk adverse he's not like Aunt, uncle ashish nope. um but this girl i'm not taking too much picture till she's oh, no, no, you know it's okay tell her uncle ashish is taking her to my <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna go base jumping and spelunking it'll be great oh she will <laughs> um so that's what I live for you know right uh, this has been a hot summer in Lima it's still going very hot yep. so to take him into the ocean and you know there's always a chance you can see dolphins there this is this is why this is why to share that passion and and to see my my boy it's he came home this this week with a um worksheet from music class um where the opening line was i i am carlos i am a peruvian boy and i love a kena nasiku and let me show you how to play it and he scratched it and wrote nico oh i, I love am nico it. i'm a peruvian boy you know and love it he's like the day after he took his peruvian instruments and took him to school to proudly share it with his class and for me, that's a that's a win. I already yeah, got a yeah, first grader yeah. that is, you know, a proud little ambassador like Mama, and 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 that's what I live for. You see what I told you guys? I told you guys that she is that success in the small place I was telling you about. You see what I mean? When you look at the news, you see reports of a country divided. Now you listen to Inez, you see somebody who absolutely loves her country. Not just that. Her son loves her loves his native country, right? I mean, and Nico was born in the states, right? Oh yeah, yeah. super gringo dad. Yeah, that's it. So, <laughs> as white so, as they get. So and, and he loves the. So, so this is the part that you don't read about. This is the part that does not come through in anything you see, and this is why you know I've said this before, and Inez said it as well. You can't judge other countries. And that's why it was so important for me to have her on this podcast because I wanted all of you to hear what she's got to say. The fact that she's talking about that, no matter what's happening, she just told you, she goes, I need it. I need, I need that fire from Peru. I need it. She could have said, she's a traveling mom. I mean, she could be in Europe. She could be, I mean, we, we met each other in Mexico. We met each other in other parts of the world as well. And we party out, no problem, but she still needs Peru. And, and that, that right there, Again, I hate to use the word again, but that is a microcosm of what we're talking about. The fact that what's getting lost is that no matter what you see happening there, 
the people who live in Peru still do love their country. Otherwise, they would have left a long time ago. They still love their country. So that brings me to my next question, Ines, for you. And this is something that you and I both, I know we, I already know this answer because you and I share the same answer, but I think it's important for everybody, for, for, for the listeners to hear you say it. What do you want for your kids by going to Peru? What do you want? What do you want for them? What, 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 what do you want them to get out of it? From one side, it's always appreciation. I, I feel like gratitude is a, a, a practice that you need to do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And that's something very important in my home um, with my kids, you know, saying gracias. And, and we say it in Spanish. Um, that from one side. When, when I've taken Nico to, you know, Pacaya Samiria National Reserve, it, to these villages where you have all the children being so happy, playing in the mud, they are all shoeless. Nobody wears a shoe, and this is a jungle, right? Um, when they are having the best time playing with a stick, making a hole in the mud or being on their raft, just playing with the waves that are created by the sweet peoples that go along their own shore. And he gets to jump in and play with those kids. And he's like, at the end of it, when we're back in our suite with AC and passion fruit juice in the on hand, he's like, mom. They're so happy and they don't, they don't have what we have back home. And that's when I said, this is why, this is, this is why I bring him here. Um, not just for gratitude for yourself, but appreciation for others and to learn those different ways of lifestyle that will make you bigger so that you can live a place not just by not leaving the trace but also growing yourself i love it and i love it i love it that's that's my why yeah you see what i was telling you guys you see what i mean by her answers the fact that they're thought out and actually i mean seriously just listen if you're not inspired by this right now listening to inez then i think something's wrong not with her with you so just think about that for a second. You know, people without shoes in the Amazon jungle, we all know, use your imagination of what particular animal could kill you in the Amazon. Just, just you name the list, it's there. But then the fact that these guys are happy and gratitude is the right word because, and she said that, and why, why I say, this is how I'm going to prove to you guys right now that we're siblings. I said the exact same word last week while I was in Peru. I had somebody asked me, well, is, is how is Peru? I said, gratitude comes up over and over again. And he goes, what do you, the person said, what do you mean? I said, well, if ever we've gone to Peru in, in past years and we felt like they took visitors for granted or took just everything that was being given them for granted, it's all gone. There is a level of gratitude and graciousness and just, just, appreciation for you being there as a visitor that I haven't seen. And I'll tell you what I mean by this. This is a, this is a story that happened to me and my, and, and my, my family in 2018. So, and Inez knows the story. So I took my family to Peru last week because it was my son's 16th birthday. And, and, 
you know, whenever we've done something crazy, we've always tried doing something just different, right? Tried doing something different. So we've, you know, I started counting down the fact that I've really only got 10 weeks left with him before he goes to college. I've got 10 weeks left to, 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 to do something with him, right? And he's already, he's getting his driver's license soon and everything else and whatnot. So I'm already, I'm already starting to, to, to lose the ability to, to capture his attention full time, right? Because he's got a busy schedule, whatnot. But in 2018, we, we went to Peru together and we were going to Machu Picchu and this is what happened. On the way to Machu Picchu, we actually got to do a little fender bender with the trainer in front of us. So for 10 hours, we were on those tracks. And now here's, here's what happened next. And this is why the word gratitude is so important. The conductor of our particular train comes up to me because he just saw me sitting there and he said, uh, in Spanish, he said to me, I'm really sorry to get you to Machu Picchu. I looked around and there were people, they were grumbling and, you know, whoa, we didn't get there and this is ridiculous, da, 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 da. I looked at him and I don't know what came over me, but I said to him, I said, thank you. And I said it in Spanish. And he goes, he thought I was nuts. He goes, what do you mean, thank you? He said, I didn't get you to Machu Picchu. I said, no, you don't understand. And again, all this happened in Spanish. I said to him, I said, I travel 200 plus days out of the year just like Inez does. You know, I get a limited amount of time at home. But when I do, I was taught a long time ago that when I get home to give my family my all and not what's left. And I said, you just gave me 10 uninterrupted hours with my wife and my two kids. I said, forget Machu Picchu. I'll come back from Machu Picchu. What you just gave me on this train, nobody can, nobody can take from me. There was no train signal. There were, I mean, no Wi-Fi signal, no internet. They couldn't get on Netflix. They couldn't get on gaming. They could... We had to get out. He wanted, he was hungry. We got off the train, walked up the tracks to come a couple of little stat, you know, stalls there. Those ones there picked up some, uh, you know, so some local cheese dishes and whatnot, brought it back. He had his lunch. It was great. We were sat there and we talked. And you see, Peru gave that to me. You know, it wasn't Machu Picchu. It wasn't the sites. It was a conductor who, unnamed, who was on this train, who was probably stressed out to all get out because this happened who gave that to me. It was the same Peruvian who, who Inez just described, that I, hey, I love my country. You see, and that, those are the people, the people that don't have a name to themselves, the people that don't actually have a, a, a tagline or a position or a high ranking official or not famous or whatever the case, they're the people that are the success. They're the people that represent that big success in small places. That big success happened on a train in the middle of nowhere. So fast forward to this last week. I finally get up to Machu Picchu, finally see it. And you know what? It was amazing, but it wasn't the highlight. The highlight was on my son's 16th birthday, going paragliding in Sacred Valley. Now, mind you, his face went from smiling to serious. So I think he might have actually wet himself before he took off. But I mean, but I don't know for sure. But, but what Inez just said was she took her son to the reserve and she saw those kids playing in, you know, in, the, in, the, in the mud and no shoes on. She said, they look so happy. This is what we saw. You see, I was looking at Peru through my children's eyes and I saw my children, my son in particular, because it was a birthday he will never forget. He was happy. And then he saw the people around him happy. You know, it's what Inez, you just described as well. Now, I have to, I have to tell everybody that Inez and I did something really, really cool. So Inez and I, as you can tell, we, we get along like, you know, white on rice. And so we're, we're always laughing and we're always, always, oh, sorry, not white on rice. What's the phrase? Uh, cheese and empanadas. How's that? <laughs> or, or cheese and tamales. How's that? <laughs> so we're always cracking jokes. So some years back, you guys know that there's a, an iteration of my face called Flat Ash. 
Um, I don't know where it came from, but it was born from somewhere. Well, Inez had the bright idea to say, hey, you know what? Why don't we get you in the Amazon, Flatash B? So all of a sudden, Inez has got this cut out of my head in the head office of the cruise ship that she's mentioned, Delphine Cruises, where she works. Then next thing I know, I get video of somebody holding up my face on one of their, their skiffs. And then I'm in the water somehow. Did I get eaten by a piranha at one point? Did I get bitten? Oh, there it is. What? Hang on. Where is it? Yeah, right you were in the water with, not piranhas, you were with pink river dolphins. Lucky oh, you. Lucky flat ash. Yeah. Lucky flat ash. See what I mean? Like, and see, for me, I showed it to my daughter. I showed that to my 11-year-old daughter and she started laughing. And the first thing she says, is she goes, daddy, you're famous. I said, not exactly. She goes, and then my wife, without skipping a beat, yeah, but you are pretty one-dimensional. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Okay. I, I got nothing. I got nothing. You see, Peru gave all that. Think about this, okay? In one week, Inez sitting in Utah, her colleagues sitting up in Iquitos in the Amazon, me in the Sacred Valley and in Cusco with my family. Yet two families were able to come together with a cardboard cutout in the middle. And it was all brought together because of one country. The same country that you read about in the news saying that, oh, they're, they have, they're protesting and they're not getting along. Are you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Do you see what's actually happening behind the scenes? So my closing line to all of you listening, and Inez, I'll give it over to you for closing thoughts as well. But my closing line to all of you is focus on what you don't see, not what you see. And I've said this before as well. Focus on what you don't see, because what you don't see might actually and actually usually will be more powerful than what you do see. Inez, I can't thank you enough. This was so much fun. Any, any parting thoughts? No, thanks to you, hermano. Um, I think you've embodied it with that last. We may not be... The media may not be interviewing, you know, the Peruvians that do want to work, the Peruvians that do want to share the passion for our country. Um, we're the majority, you know, it's uh, be like comparing to January 6th, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. A, a, a handful of, of, of people do not represent the majority, the vast majority. Um, right. So, Peru's open, Peru's ready. Peru this week, I mean, I was talking to a DMC friend yesterday and they're like, I went at the very end of the Machu Picchu day and there were only, you know, 20 people left. When typically at closing time, you have still hundreds, if not thousands. Um, this is the moment to visit. This is when we also need you. We're gonna be humble on that. We need you. We need you traveling. We need you planning. Um, we are safe, we're ready. That was a hiccup of a nightmare that we already woke up from and that we're not gonna let repeat because as I said, our people are resilient and fierce and we love our country and we're go. here for you, yeah. That, that's perfectly well said. I saw it firsthand and Nez is gonna see it firsthand. And Nez, I can't wait to have you back uh, on, the, on this podcast. Uh, next time we gotta make. I think uh, we gotta figure out a way to make make flat Inez guest on this, <laughs> this podcast. We'll we'll figure that out. We'll have we'll have a one dimensional. It'll take episode. a lot. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to have a one-dimensional episode come. I mean, Flat Ash talking or Flat Ash at one point. That's going to be happening at some point as well. So yes, thank you so much, all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time. No, thank you. And welcome to Peru. Thank you for listening to The Sustainable Voice. If you have a success story of your own, please reach out and share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.